Nothing beats receiving something in the mail that isn't a bill or a flyer. Whereas most of you are probably inundated with email every day, I imagine you long for a simpler time, when you had pen pals and the like. Well, I'm here to tell you those times don't have to be over. If you drop me an email at info at expatspodcast.ca with your name and mailing address in the body of the message, I'll send you a limited edition expats postcard with a special message signed by yours truly. It's my way of saying thanks for listening. So thanks for listening. And now, on with the show. If you've seen the Lord of the Rings movies, you're probably familiar with the fact that other than being an amazing fantasy epic, the films serve the purpose of being a long, obscenely beautiful tourism ad for New Zealand. And that's a lot of beauty crammed into a small space. New Zealand is only about twice the size of Canada's Maritimes. But New Zealand is far more than a stand-in for Tolkien's Middle Earth. Kiwis, as they are lovingly referred to, invented bungee jumping, the jet boat, and zorbing, which is an activity that involves being shoved into a hollow plastic ball rolled down a hill. A New Zealand referee was the first to use a whistle to stop a game in 1884, further proof that there is probably a piece of trivia for everything even remotely notable. It was also a Kiwi who first split the atom in 1919. His name was Baron Ernest Rutherford, a Nobel Prize winner. New Zealand can lay claim to a lot of things, including Canadians who've come to see what it's like to live in Middle Earth. Join me this episode as we visit a Canadian prairie dweller who took an unexpected journey on the expats. Welcome to the Expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. New Zealand is to Australia as Canada is to the United States. Someone told me that once, though I'm not sure if it's true. Jana McCarr knows. She and her partner moved there about three years ago. But Jana at least wasn't planning to stay that long. Not even close. It's kind of a funny story, actually, because uh, I, my partner and I... Um, had very different approaches to it. I've discovered after the fact um, when we talked about doing this, um, looking at opportunities to work abroad and, and live away for a bit. In my mind, I thought, oh yeah, this will be sort of a, a last hurrah, a bit of an adventure before we come back and settle down and be adults and, and buy a house and that sort of a thing. Um, you know, we'll be gone for three months at the most and, and it'll just be sort of a short term thing. Um, unbeknownst to me, um, in uh, his mind, though, he was thinking, no, this is, we're going to go away and, and I'm tired of Calgary's winters and I'm tired of the weather here in, in Canada and uh, I want to get out of here and leave for good. So we were both approaching it from a bit of a different perspective. Not sure why we didn't voice any of those <laughs> <laughs> opinions to ourselves beforehand. I guess we could work on our communication skills, but we were both excited and we both wanted to do it. Um, and so we, we looked into opportunities and New Zealand actually wasn't our first choice. Um, we were looking at the UK. Oh, okay. But that was right, yeah, and and that was right around the time though that 
the global economy decided to crash and uh, and literally within a week of us saying, okay, yeah, let's look and see what sort of opportunities there are visa-wise, what we'd have to do for paperwork um, uh, for that. And we went onto the website and um, they had closed all migrant visa applications and, and they weren't accepting any outsiders anymore. Oh, so basically the UK was closed off to us. We said, oh, okay, okay, where else should we go then? And we looked to Australia. Um, and we so we wanted to go someplace that was a bit of an easy transition. We wanted to go to an English-speaking country, um, one that had a nice, te you know, temperate uh, climate, um, one that was relatively easy to integrate into in society, that sort of thing. So we weren't looking for a big culture shock. We just wanted to have a bit of a different um, uh, surrounding. So that's why we were looking for sort of like UK, Australia, that sort of thing. Australia ended up being kind of. Um, just, there's quite a bit of paperwork and there's quite a bit of a cost actually to apply to um, go over there. So that was turning us off a bit. And then we thought, well, what about New Zealand? And looked onto their website and we were both under 35 at the time and they have a holiday working visa Ooh. that basically you just filled out a very short, simple online form, paid $150 and you had your visa to come over and, and stay there for a year and you could work or, or just be on holiday. So... We're like, well, New Zealand, that's quite open and friendly of you. Good for the Commonwealth ties there. Let's go to New Zealand. So uh, that's how we picked that. Um, and that was where our little adventure was going to be. And and so you you arrive in New Zealand and you're thinking, here we are at our third choice location. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think we did pretty well for, for it being a third choice because um, it, it's definitely captured our hearts. This all happened three years ago, so it's definitely, I think my partner won, and <laughs> I've since, since changed my opinion that this isn't a short-term thing anymore. We, uh, we've we actually even just recently applied for permanent residency. Wow. Um, gone through, going through the application process there, yeah, um, just so that we can have the option to come and go as we please. So over the course of these three years, we've had to keep um, reapplying for different for different visas, whether it's a working visa or a temporary residency, because once you sort of get to the end of your visa, you either have to leave or you have to find another way to stay. So um, with this permanent residency, now we'll have a bit of a uh, bit more flexibility because we're not quite ready to leave just yet. So we do want to be able to have that on our side. But but it's funny when we first arrived, um, it wasn't the warmest welcome. Uh, we arrived in December which, uh, albeit it was quite cold and chilly weather-wise in Canada, and Calgary in particular, but uh, when we got here, it was uh, springtime, essentially, mm -hmm. um, and so very wet and rainy, and our first three to four days of being here, not knowing where we, you know, where to go in the city, or, or um, and we're trying to walk around and, and find a place to live, it just poured buckets of rain on us, and uh, it was quite sort of a... A rough welcome. <laughs> we had a moment where uh, we just weren't finding, we would go and look at apartments and they were either too small and dark and dingy or, you know, or the nice ones were too expensive and, and just sort of running up against these little challenges. And we had a couple of moments where almost like from the Arrested Development episode, looking at each other and thinking, we've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> and what have we done here? Giving up our jobs. And, and now we're here and we can't sort of get things to click into place. But, um, and my partner, actually, Rick, he uh, he did have a, a, a fleeing moment where he was like, I think we should just go back home. <laughs> I think this might have been a, a bad a bad thing to do. And I said, let's give it a week. We, we've got to at least give it a week. No one's expecting us home for at least a few months. 
we got to stick this out, even though we feel very like, oh, we've done a we've done a bad thing here. Um, and lo and behold, the next day, the skies cleared, the sun came out, we found a, a great flat, um, things fell into place, our, we got a bank account, and just everything started clicking. Um, and I'm so glad we stuck it out because the rest sort of just fell into place from there. And, and he got his job, and um, I've been working, actually, continue to work uh, um, for I'm a contractor, and so I've kept those connections and kept working for clients back home. And so... Uh, we persevered and, and stuck it out, and uh, I'm so glad we did because it's really worked out well. Yeah, I mean, I, that would I feel like that'd be really disheartening your first day at your third choice country, uh, <laughs> yeah. struggling to find a place to live. Um, uh, but it, it's great that you guys got over that relatively quickly. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think it was uh, it was good because we sort of threw ourselves out there and just sort of wanted to see what would happen, and, and it was a good challenge. Um, uh, and the fact that we stuck with it, I think, has just made us stronger. <laughs> for sure. Now, you mentioned that you, you're still doing contract work for clients in Canada and that your your partner, Rick, was able to find a job. How difficult was it for him to, to finally land employment there? Um, it did take a bit of time. One of the other reasons that New Zealand was on our list is at the time they uh, were really advertising a call for engineers. Um, they were going through a bit of a energy, industrial broom, um, sort of slightly like oil and gas sector that, um, that Alberta was known for no, and still is. But, um, and so that was kind of our tie. He was our ticket, essentially, where we figured we'd come over and Rick would get the job and that would uh, lead us into um, you know, a more permanent work visa that we could both stay under uh, once this holiday visa that we had applied for expired. So we came over and, and thought he'd get snapped up right away, actually. Uh, that didn't quite happen. That was also another sort of bit of a starting challenge. Um, they were looking for engineers, but again, um, just it was hard to get a foot in the door. Um, so it actually took him a few weeks, even up to a month or two, to find a job. Um, and so in the meantime, I was the sole breadwinner, I guess. I kept um, working um, and uh, kept us going. Um, but yeah, it was just, um, he had actually started to apply for jobs before we made the physical move over and just wasn't getting any, any real response there too. I think because if you're not there and able to go to an interview in person, it's, they don't really want to take a chance. But uh, luckily, once we were here in person, he could go to interviews and he ended up getting a position by... Um, just on happenstance, going to a student career fair that was happening at the university. No way. And chatting with someone at the booth, yeah. And they said, oh, yeah, hey, I, I recognize you and your name. And we saw your resume come in and sitting on our desk. Um, and so they, they called him in the next day, and he had more of a, another face-to-face -face conversation with them. And it, and it led to from that. But it's interesting because it was just sort of, you know, if you're out of work for a few a few months and you start to so you know start to look for well I'll do anything you know what can I find and I heard about the student fair and I'm like I, I know you're not a student but just go check it out just go see what could happen so I'm, it's good that he did because he ended up running into this uh, contact at this company that that recognized him so it, that ended up working out. Now you, you mentioned that it, obviously it's hard for someone who isn't actually on the ground to, to secure even an interview, do you think they looked at Canadian engineer and thought, well, we can just hire a Kiwi engineer and it'll be fine? Um, not sure. I think it, um, it, I know that a lot of people actually, they may have been worried that if they hired him, he wouldn't stick around more. 
Um, so a, a lot of people here seem to be a bit transient. Um, uh, even just within our group of friends, we've had some people move away and some come back from having been away. Um, and so I wonder if they just maybe had a bit of a fear that, oh, here's another Canadian who wants to come over, work for a year, and then they'll move on. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that there may have been that bit of bias against it. Um, and then the other challenge, too, was that uh, we wanted to live in Auckland. Um, that's where we are now. It's a city about the size of Calgary, uh, which was nice, uh, just again, for not too big of a cultural change, not going to some place quite a bit larger or quite a bit smaller. Um, so Auckland was perfect that way. Uh, and a lot of the oil and gas and energy sector jobs were in uh, a place called uh, New Plymouth, which is maybe sort of the equivalent of Perth in Australia or Fort Mac in Alberta. Okay. So smaller, more industrial town, kind of in the middle of nowhere, um, you know, not too much to do in terms of uh, other activities and our interests at the time. So if he'd wanted a job there, he probably could have made a decent amount of money um, and would have been working, but our style and quality of life wouldn't have been the same as living in a city like Auckland. So I think that was also a bit of a challenge. Um, or it was a challenge in that uh, we were, did want to find something within the city. Uh, so, And then you're competing against more people as well in the city For so, sure. rather than these other smaller centers. So, yeah. Okay, so you're living in Auckland. It's kind of about the size of Calgary. Is that where the similarities end? Tell me a little bit about uh, the differences between Canada and New Zealand as you guys have experienced them. Yeah, the size is probably the only similarity with Calgary. Uh, <laughs> Auckland is great um, in that, and, and different in that the weather is great. Um, it's predictable. Uh, when they say it's going to be 20 degrees and sunny, it is. It doesn't, <laughs> the weather doesn't change 20 times a day like in Calgary. Um, and also it will be 20 degrees and sunny for weeks on end. Um, and so it's nice in that sense. You can make plans and, and, and count on good weather in the summer. Um, also, we're on the sea. I've never actually lived this close to water before. Um, a bit landlocked in, in Alberta there. Uh, and so not having lived in Vancouver, I would think this is probably what the closest comparison would be is I feel like I'm living in Vancouver because there's harbors close by and, and you've got, um, um, you can see the ocean uh, just walking a couple blocks down. Uh, we live right downtown and right by the main harbor. Uh, so it's really nice to be so close to that. Um, the biggest, one of the biggest differences that we really like is there's no tipping here uh, like there is in Canada. So when you go out to eat or have a meal, uh, you just pay your bill and you're done. You don't have to do math and figure <laughs> out how, how extra um, charges to pay for people. Also, um, when you're shopping for things, the price listed is the price listed. There's no extra taxes or anything to pay on top of things like that for retail prices. So that's kind of nice. Other than that, I mean, everyone... Most everyone speaks English here. Uh, there is the Kiwi accent, uh, and there's the, um, a few Maori words, um, which is their um, uh, original native settlement. So um, having to learn sort of the pronunciation of some of those things was a bit different for us. Um, at what point? At what point in these conversations you're having with with New Zealanders do they use Maori terms? Like, are they exclamations or turns of phrase that you're not used to? There's a few. Um, I find actually most of them are used in um, 
in terms of uh, less sort of slang and, and lingo and more when speaking about things like um, family, uh, there's a term, I, I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, fanu, um, and, and when they're talking about your family, they'll say your fanu. Um, and so when they're using terms that are, I guess, have more of an honorable sort of meaning and connotation behind them than sort of these larger, bigger, grander, uh, you know, uh, colloquial language uh, uh, terms come out to, to speak to those bigger um, sort of meanings. Um, but, and then as for just slang and, and terms of phrase, that I think that's, that's just pure Kiwiism. <laughs> <laughs> um, swimsuits are called togs. Uh, sandals and flip-flops are called jandals. Uh, things like that. Uh, the really one that we still find really um, funny is, uh, I think in Canada, a lot of people will say, oh, that's sweet, you know, and to say something's really cool or really good. And here, they say things are sweet as, um, with, I guess, the explanation is that, well, sweet as what? But you can fill in that blank for yourself, as sweet as you want it to be, <laughs> right? But they'll apply that to everything. So they'll say, you know, if it's a cold day, they'll be like, oh, yeah, it's cold as, or, oh, look at that car, it's it's fast as and so everything is something as so that's been quite hilarious too we've been making a list actually and just keeping track of all the different as terms that we've heard so some of them make us chuckle there but they've I've been caught out in using some of my Canadian uh, lingo as well I've let toque slip out and everyone gets a laugh about that or well, well, I say oh we're just gonna spend the day going out and about and oh, everyone laughs so okay so what would it what would they call a toque in New Zealand just a hat a beanie. A beanie. Yeah. <laughs> that is incorrect. It's a toque. I know. <laughs> it serves know. a very specific I purpose. Yeah. I can't, I can't bring myself to say beanie, so I still say toque and I make them learn that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've, you know, I've heard the difference myself between the New Zealand accent and the Australian accent. I have to admit, I do find the New Zealand accent a little more difficult to understand. What was it like adjusting to that reality? bad at accents actually and I had a lot of trouble even distinguishing um, uh, an English accent from a Kiwi accent from an Australian accent. Wow. I think I even um, mixed up the Irish sometimes. <laughs> I would say, oh, how long have you, you, where were you born in New Zealand? And they're like, I'm from Ireland. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the best person to ask for that. Um, but we've actually, uh, and then it's funny because so since I work at home, I Skype back with my clients and so I speak to Canadians all day and I only ever still get to sort of hear the exotic and local accents if we go out with friends or go out in the, in the evening. So even after three years it's still, I still love hearing the accents and I, and I can still distinguish them whereas Rick, he goes to work and he's in an office surrounded by all sorts of different accents and he says he doesn't even hear the accents anymore. Wow. Um, but for me it's still exotic and I still love hearing them and and getting people to talk and trying to decipher who's got what but um, he said too that he finds the New Zealand accent is sometimes hard to decipher because it can be really subtle as well it's mm. hard to emulate like we've tried to I, I, you'll notice I have no accent whatsoever despite my best efforts I haven't been able to pick up any sort of a Kiwi accent really but um, it is hard to try and, and do that because there's just certain lilts and and timings of, of when the, the uh, accent will come out that we haven't quite figured out yet and how to use it. Yeah, hmm. so I, I, I think the Aussie accent just comes off a bit stronger. I mean, everyone, Crocodile Dundee, <laughs> sort <laughs> of, it's easy to copy that one, but um, yeah. yeah, and I think Aussies are just a little bit louder and 
prouder anyways. Sort of, it's definitely the American versus Canadian concept over here where the Aussies are the Americans and the Kiwis are the Canadians. Yeah, and that was actually going to be my next uh, line of questioning, I guess, is that they do often get compared that way. What mm. what has your experience been with the New Zealand people in general? Uh, were they very welcoming to you and your partner? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, very friendly. Um, we had some bus drivers help us out <laughs> when we were sort of lost and navigating our way around the city and p- mispronouncing roads and stops wrong. And they just give a smile and say, "We'll just tell you where, when to get off." And uh, um, really helpful that way. Um, and and it's funny the the rivalry between uh, Australia and, and New Zealand is is quite fun. It is very much sort of a the Canadian American one, especially when it comes to sports. And we've now been here for uh, two World Cup events. One of them was cricket. I can't believe I I I, I got sucked into it, and I was watching cricket games. Uh, you know the whole eight hours of them, um, <laughs> and we made it to the New Zealand made it to the final versus Australia, and it, it was like Canada versus US gold cup hockey or gold medal hockey um and just everyone was into it everyone went to the pub and was watching and we lost it was it was heartbreaking and then (laughs) months later a second world cup uh, event was rugby uh which is an amazing game to watch and we've been to see the all blacks play in person here and that was just uh, that was spectacular it was even better than an nfl game which is known for just having crazy fans and just being a real spectacle of its own um and so uh, New Zealand won the World Cup um, of rugby versus Australia. So we were on the winning hand of that. And so, again, it just sort of brings out the um, jokes and, and trash talk and, and things <laughs> like that. And, and generally, there's just, you know, ongoing jokes that the Aussies are sort of louds and drunks and tote guns and <laughs> things <laughs> like that. But um, And the New Zealanders are more polite and modest and, um, yeah. So it's fun that way, but uh, there's there's a, a good natured uh, between it all, and and we still love our our neighbors to the over the pond. But there's definitely a, yeah a rivalry there. Well, it's just like we love our neighbors uh, directly to the south of us, but uh, we are in many ways better than they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, uh, you mentioned that your your partner's working with um, a lot of different accents, so people from different places. What's the expat community like uh, in Auckland where you're living? Um, it's 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 fairly diverse. Um, within our group of friends, actually, we were we were talking about this. Um, we actually only have, say, within the core group of of eight or so of us, um, only half of them are actually born and raised uh, Kiwis. Oh. So even just within our group of friends, we've we've managed to end up with a bunch of expats as well. We've got one other Canadian and a couple of other uh, Americans, and then um, um, a couple from the UK. So um, so it's interesting that way. We didn't we didn't plan that. Um, we didn't necessarily uh, try to look for expats to to become friends with, uh, but it just sort of worked out that way. Um, one of the ways that we've made our friends is uh, through uh, sport. Uh, we like to play ultimate frisbee, um, and so that was a, a real gateway into sort of the the friends that we've made now and and just an overall community to join. So uh, that's really helped, and I think that. Uh, 
a lot of people from around the world play that sport. So when they move uh, to a new city, they sort of immediately look for that as uh, to find their place of belonging. Um, and so that's helped us make a, make a lot of really good close friendships. For sure. So there, there have been a few things that have made your landing in New Zealand a soft landing. But is there anything that after these three years that you've been away that you really miss about Canada that you still can't sort of find in New Zealand? Um. Definitely uh, my family, <laughs> which, um, you know, would be the case if, if I was, um, I guess, anywhere uh, outside of, of Canada. Um, it's funny, though. I I grew up in Calgary and, and my family was there, but then they moved um, to, the, to the West Coast. I think I talk to my mom more now over Skype than I did when I was living in Calgary and they were in Victoria. <laughs> uh, just we have a weekly Skype. Um, tools like, uh, you know, Skype and chat and email are definitely helpful in terms of keeping in touch with people. Um, so that's one thing I miss about Canada. And, and I can't just hop a flight and, you know, get a WestJet seat deal and, and zip over to Victoria to see them. So that I have to save up and really plan out a trip. I try to come back. Um, for a couple of months each summer, mm-hmm. um, but that's more of a, an endeavor. It's a big trip to plan, and, and you've got to sort of uh, save up for that. Um, so I guess that freedom of just being able to see my Canadian connections is is taken away a little bit. <laughs> and it's funny that I'm struggling to find something, <laughs> only because uh, I still consider Canada home. I haven't completely flipped yet and say, oh, I'm never coming back. Um, because I, I still really enjoy being back there. Uh, when I was back there this summer, just being able to drive out and be in the mountains and go camping and, and Calgary's city had changed a lot, even in just the year that I had, since I had been there before, bike lanes and just new restaurants and, and seeing old friends. So it was really easy to just sort of slip back into my old life and, and imagine reintegrating back into that city. Um, so it's funny when I was over there, I was thinking, Oh, you know, I could, I could see this coming back and I'd be quite happy to come back and, and get back into this routine. And then once I got back to Auckland, I was like, Oh yeah, no, Auckland's good. I could see us (laughs) staying here. So I feel like I, I'm still a bit torn. I'm I'm waiting for something to click where I'm going to know for sure where we want to stay for the long term. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't know that yet. So we're, that's also why we want the permanent residency is I guess, so we can, put off making that decision for a little bit longer and still have the freedom to do both for as long as we can. Um, yeah, I think just generally Canada, the familiarity of it and the feeling of home is, is still quite, uh, quite present for me. So, so it sounds like, uh, no plans to leave, even though you thought you'd be there for three months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, and actually, sorry. So the one thing I just remembered that I do miss about Canada in particular is snow and cold at Christmas time. Hmm. Uh, that and people call me crazy for that, but it's just it's during that time of year that I feel the most homesick. Um, and and I'll be spe- I should be specific that it's only Christmas Day and maybe <laughs> Christmas Eve where I miss the snow and cold. Otherwise, I don't miss it at all. <laughs> but it's just for those two days um, that I miss, you know, having a cup of hot chocolate and, and seeing the snowfall outside and that sort of thing. Um, and then it immediately passes by Boxing Day because it is pretty cool to be able to go out for um, a walk or a hike and have it be plus 30 or go to the beach and swim in the ocean. Uh, New Year's Day or New Year's Eve here, we spent... Um, uh, 
outside or well last year we spent it outside uh, watching fireworks and we were in t-shirts and shorts and drinking some cold beers and and watching these fireworks go off so, so that was pretty cool I don't I don't miss um, the snow and cold at that time of year it's just on those two days right around Christmas that I really do now I'd be remiss in this interview if I didn't ask you about hobbits <laughs> do you get do you get yes, bugged about living in Hobbiton by your Canadian friends um not so much bugged as um, I had one friend come um, and visit, uh, and she ended up doing a bit of a work placement over here. And she was Hobbit crazy, and uh, <laughs> she loved Hobbits, and just totally was enthralled by the whole that whole thing over here. Uh, she went to Hobbiton and <laughs> really experienced all of it. Um, I myself haven't been to Hobbiton yet. Um, I'm not. <laughs> a huge Hobbits fan. Um, I haven't seen the latest Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, it was—it's definitely a big thing here, though. Um, and when you drive out in the countryside, it just there's certain times when we've been out on hikes, and I and I look around and think, I feel like I'm in a Lord of the Rings movie. Like just the the landscape and the and the um, setting is just yeah, it's pretty picturesque, and you could expect one of them to just come toddling out from behind a rock and <laughs> and an adventure begin. But um, but no, other than that, I haven't had too much poking fun about that yet. The time will come soon when hobbits will shape the fortunes of us all. Until then, here's hoping Jana and her partner enjoy their time in New Zealand before they're off on their next adventure. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself, and let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. If you haven't already, please give The Expats a rating and a review on both the iTunes Store and Stitcher Radio. Those ratings and reviews help the show move up the charts. They make the expats more discoverable, more visible, and ultimately will help make the show bigger and better. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks 